What's up, guys? Welcome back to another late night podcast over here on Spare Change. We're back with the dynamic duo from Home Theater Engineering. What's up, guys? <laughs> hey, guys. Glad to be how back. Are you? Shane, how are you? Good, 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 good. You look like you guys are in a new environment today. Where, where are you guys <laughs> uh, calling from? The, the secret's out. We're, we're, we're together for, for the first time Stop. in weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've been Bare, so busy. Barely seen each other. <laughs> um, so we have had so much going on, which is, to anyone who knows us from our channel, we apologise. I think it's been five weeks since we've posted, but there's a good reason. We have been just inundated with work, for starters, um, and uh, our two-channel business, Douglas Sci-Fi, has, has gone through really the roof busy. as well. But we've also taken on a new premises for home theatre engineering. So. Yep. So that's where we are at the moment. So it's a new showroom. Um, we're going to have we're going to be running three demo rooms here actually, um, and mm -hmm. and a really high end one, kind of a middle one, and then a a, a, a simpler one. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a lot of work to obviously build these rooms, and the the building has to be stripped, and um, you know we've got to start from scratch essentially here. Um, so we've got a lot of tradies around at the moment. We've kicked everyone out today just so we can record this because it's obviously quite noisy. Hopefully the internet what? connection holds. Yeah. What brands do you guys carry with there? Oh. We're not very, to be honest, we're not very brand driven because we don't carry mm. stock. We, yeah. we don't sell and what we do, you know, we provide a solution. So, you know, obviously this conversation today is about, mm. you know, speaker placement and room design. Um, so we tend to, we have, we've got brands that we like to use because we know that the clients are getting their best value for money. And, you know, we're, Andrew likes to use the term taking as much, you know, blood from the stone as possible. Um, but you know, obviously from our YouTube and social media, everyone knows that we we do a lot of um, Priscilla, Creeks, Trinov, Wisdom. Um, Wisdom Audio, Barco, um, Sony, Anthem. Uh, Sony Anthem. Um, you know, so um, Arcam. The, the, there's those type of brands that mm -hmm. we kind of always work with. What's um? Are you going to share what's in your three showrooms? <laughs> No, that that's still a little bit top secret. Uh, okay. uh, we did make okay. an announcement, like a little post, which had a whole heap of brands um, that um, that we do normally use that are going to be in the new space. Um, but our, you know, our kind of latest project is a lot to do with Wisdom Audio um, because they are kind of set at that level of you know higher luxury cinema, um, and. Um, you know, we didn't have them in our in our other demo space before, but mm -hmm. um, we're hoping yeah. to do something really different and yeah. um, interesting, and something that is going to give people an experience so that they can at least see where you can go. But then we'll have the other cinemas for people who you know are, are looking for something that probably you know isn't in that price bracket, um, and we'll have something for everybody there. We're going to have a cinema that will cater to those people complaining about price point the other day. <laughs> <laughs> the, the affordable price point. The affordable yep. price point, yeah. And, and look, we uh, understand, you yeah. know, the, there's a market for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, not not everyone's going to spend, you know, um, the, the type of money on the projects that we normally do, but um, we, we try and help as many people as possible. Um, we do get, we, a lot of people reach out to us and um, wherever we can help, but at the end of the day, we do run a business as well, so. I think that's yeah. actually a really good point, though. I'm just talking about designs and planning. You know, one of the things we really try to do is get people to understand that a room design is as much a component as anything else and it doesn't matter what your budget is and and I think we're going to talk about speaker placement today which mm -hmm. is a key thing getting it right getting you know it doesn't matter what speakers you've got uh, I recently did a, a design for a, a couple um, they already had pre-existing speakers mm -hmm. we basically just supply projector and screen within reason and uh, the AVR um, but just designing the room getting some acoustic treatment in there and getting the speakers in the right place um, and the right distances and those sorts of things just elevated this room to, to quite a stunning level. So, yeah. you know, that component, planning and calibration, which people just don't consider as components, will elevate any room, you know. I think, I think in, this, in this hobby as well, you know, if we can get better, even if it's 1% better, mm. it's worth every cent, mm -hmm. you know. And like you said, Shane, I think recently on a video, Oh, the thing that nobody really focuses energy on is room acoustics. Speaking of room design and room acoustics and all that, we had ran a contest. Well, you guys had ran a contest last time you were on about doing a giveaway for room design. 
which yep yep which we will get to at the end of the show here today so just to let you guys know (laughs) that we're going to announce the winner of the free room design at the end of the show excellent we're looking forward to that (laughs) so uh let's talk about um speaker placement because everybody's always got questions on speaker placement like where should your left and right speakers go where should your surround speakers go how high should they be should be ear level two one two feet above ear level back speakers where that most speakers go wow this is a big topic um so there are some fundamental things to understand and you need to understand your speakers first so for example if you understand that your tweeters drive sound more like a laser and then as we drop in frequency it it, it disperses more and more and more then it becomes quite obvious what you have to achieve for example we see a lot of rooms where the rear speakers are up in the top far corner of the walls and facing forward and all that does is bounce that high frequency sound backwards and forwards Mm. across the room so the first thing really is to make sure that your speakers are literally aimed at your sweet spot if they're firing over your head if you've got overhead speakers like you know from the 80s where they're in the ceiling at the front and they're pointing down at the ground then your dog or cat's getting the best experience so the first thing is understanding that high frequency sound travels in a direct line aim it at your listening position or at least at your seat grouping um, centered generally around your main listening position that's the first thing Second thing is understanding that your off-axis sound, depending on the speakers, generally gets worse and worse in quality. So um, that during the room, and if the room's untreated, it bounces all over the place and, and in the room, which causes distortion effectively. So um, what you want to do is, is take control of that environment. So the other thing is, if your tweeters aren't aimed at your listening position, let's say they are, Um, just pointing straight across the room over your head then the other thing that happens is it hits the wall on the other side bounces back and again builds up energy in the room Um, and the more energy there is in the room the less distinct and uh, clear the sound is Um, the room is a massive factor you know before you spend money on cables get your room under control and get your speaker placed right so that's the first thing speakers operate Um, the other thing is, if you do have your tweeters going over your head or, or pointing somewhere else in the room, we localise base frequencies based on the high frequency. So where we hear the high frequency coming from, that's where we think the base is linked to. This is how Bose works, right? You know, you have those small mm. Bose speakers. If you actually just listen to that on its own, it sounds like a good old-fashioned telephone. It, it's a really weird sound. Um, but you have the acoustics driver that delivers the rest of the frequencies. You have one of those, but it all sounds like it's coming from those tiny speakers. So we, we um, identify where the bass comes from by high frequency sound. So if we're not getting the high frequency sound, then the bass isn't linked either. All right. So th- these are principles that you need to kind of get right. Then the next question is, how high do you place your speakers? Ideally, your speakers would all be at kind of your bed layer, which is your your surrounds mm. around the room, would be at at ear level. Um, but that doesn't always work because, for example, with Enzo and I sitting here, if I had a speaker, was it here? And Enzo had a speaker <laughs> yeah. there. There's two problems. One is this speaker's way too loud for me, and also my head, which is fairly hollow, <laughs> blocks the sound from getting to Enzo. Um, and so the, there's a problem there. So what do you do? Um, you can use um, line source speakers that solves some of those problems. But generally, the, where's my hand? The, the treatment, the thing is, you have to lift the speakers up, maybe tilt them down a bit. Um, so you're adding distance from this side to this speaker. Um, and the more distance you add, the less the drop in sound pressure level is between your seats. So there's a catch-22. You kind of want the speaker here, but it doesn't really work. So you, you gain mm. a little bit of height, and um, then you get more even sound pressure level, and you also aren't blocking that sound, that high-frequency sound, from getting to both sides. And I think <clears throat> we spoke about this yesterday. You know, the, even the bigger thing from that is, you know, we factor in where, where are you sitting? Where's the best seat in the house? Mm. Because if you sit here, the bass might not be as good as if you sit 
200 mil forward or a meter forward or a meter back. Mm. Now, you might put your speakers on the right spot, but you know when Andrew calibrates, sometimes we shift the seat 500 mil. Now the forward, speakers are on the wrong. And now place. the speakers are on the wrong place. The room design is imperative for someone, even whether they've got uh, an established room or a new room. Speaker locations very determined by where that um, sweet spot in the room is, uh, and that you're not sitting, you know, in at the base null and and. Um, you know, ultimately, if we decide that looking at the base layout of the room, whether it's one sub or four subs or whatever it is, how flat we can get that um, base response, that, base response yeah. that means that seat really deserves to be, I don't know, let's call it a meter off the back wall for a small room. Um, we know then with Dolby specification where the LCRs need to be and the side surrounds and the back surrounds. But probably, like Andrew's, the most common issue we see is a lot of people put their rear surrounds way too close, way too high, um, their side surrounds too high um, or too far back or as too well, close or... or way too close. And, you know, a lot of times, and we touched on this last episode, in a family of four, if their room's only four metres um, and a four-seater cinema chair might be 3.2 metres wide, like Andrew just said, the person on the left and on the right is really close to those speakers. Mm. So, you know, determining how many people are in the room and how often um, you're going to share that space with four people, you might say to me, never, it's just the two of us. And then we design the room based on, or the speaker placements based on those two seats only. But if you said to me, I've got a family of four and we're in there all the time, then as Andrew said, we may have to modify so those people aren't getting completely blasted from the left and the right surround mm. who sit you know we normally put our worst enemies in the in the first further points i was thinking about this uh, last I tend to do more thinking in bed or probably on the toilet i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> you know uh, designing a room is a bit like surveying something you need a datum you need somewhere to, to pin that you can work around Right, so... A datum? Did you say datum? datum I haven't heard that yeah. word in a while. Mm. Um, so, you know, you might start with the screen and go, well, I need to sit this far back, and then you realise that doesn't work. But something eventually has to be nailed down. Then you work the rest of the room around it, and then you discover that doesn't work. That datum has to be moved, so your seat might need to be moved. And then we replan the speakers. And in our designs, it's normally very circular. Um, so we, we go, okay, mm. the seats ideally go here. Right, screen, well, that's okay. Damn, the speakers don't work now. So what are we going to do? Can we move the seats? Do we change the screen? It, it's a constant reiteration of the design until we find a version that works. Um, mm. And taking into account those things that we talked about a few minutes ago, you know, where can we put the side surrounds? Where do we put the Atmos speakers? Um, which probably brings us on to the next thing, which is, you know, the configuration of the speakers. If you look on Dolby's website, and one of my beefs with, with some installers is, this is not a secret, Dolby and, and other organisations, it's online, it's right in front of you, it's there. They show you where to put your speakers. The catch is they really only show it for sort of, you know, a, one lounge, yeah. two seats. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you've got four, six, eight, ten seats? That gets more complex, mm -hmm. and the rules have to change a little bit. Trinov has a great white paper out, which you can find online. Um, but one of the things that we really need to get your head around is why we put speakers where we put them. So let's say Dolby says, put the speakers here. Um, what they're trying to achieve is a smooth transition of sound from speaker to speaker. If we have our side speakers too high and they're right beside our Atmos, then there's no separation. You know, so we want to try and achieve mm. a good and constant arc, either across the top or from front to back or or around the room, so that the sound can transition properly. But you need to think about this: when the sound is mixed in in the in the studio, they have speakers properly configured around the room, and they drive the sound to those speakers and they add ambience and delay and reverb and all the things they need to do now to create that environment that you're listening to. And so it's well-crafted to go to those exact locations. If your speakers are not in the right locations, you're not gonna hear it the way they did it. You know, if, if your speakers yeah. are high, everything's gonna sound up here. Um, so if you understand that 
someone is actually employed and gets paid and, and dedicates their life to getting these soundtracks now, which are such good quality, to the speakers in the right location. That's the reason you want to get it right. Because if you do get it right, and you control the room with a little bit of acoustic control, then you will hear amazing sound. And they will go to the effort of, of creating an environment. So if you're in an in a open park, or if you're in a, in a, um, a basement, or if mm. you're um, in an auditorium, they will deliver that ambience in the soundtrack. And you will only experience that if the room's set up properly. So those are the things. Knowing where your speakers are going, getting them aimed and positioned at the right place, dealing with this exit door effect, so speakers being too loud or too quiet, understanding the Dolby layout, understanding why that exists, that's all part of this speaker positioning process. So, does that help? Let's, let's tackle the front once again. Sure. So for people without like projector screens, let's say you've got a television set. How far apart should the left and right speakers be to that TV set? Should they be right up against the left and right side of that set? Or should they be out a little bit further, as far as it can go? Or where, where would you say? That is a really good question. Um, technically, we always try and go wider, obviously, well, for widening the stage sound. But. Yeah, but the problem is you're not coupling your speakers with your sound. So what mm. we, tr and, and this is why we don't use TVs in cinemas, to be quite honest, is if you have a TV here and you put a speaker immediately to the left and immediately to the right, mm. depending on your seating position, you're probably not going to achieve the angles that you want for the speakers and, and even for the viewing position, possibly. Um, but you want to try and couple what's happening on the screen with what's happening with the sound. So uh, ideally, as the person enters the image, you want the sound to track with it. If your speakers are incredibly wide, then the sound will start from the left-hand corner of the room, for example, and will travel across the room at a different speed to the image on the screen. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the answer is, technically, they should go immediately left and right in the TV, but that also doesn't often work with angles. So. If you're doing a TV with speakers, um, that's really your call. You know, if if you have a small TV and the speakers are very close and you're sitting a fair way from it, everything's going to be very narrow and thin, and mm. you're really not mm. going to get much of an effect. You have to make that decision yourself as to how wide you want that audio sound stage to be, and and you're not likely to couple that with the image, which is the reason that we use acoustically transparent screens because we can put the speaker exactly at the left edge of the screen and the right edge of the screen and as the image moves across it tracks exactly with the image on the screen. Um, you can't do that obviously with TVs so you're, you're stuck. So the bigger the TV, you know this yeah. is where bigger is better, the bigger <laughs> the TV the more the, better the further is. apart the speakers are mm. the closer you come to a, a good viewing mm. angle um, but you still have a problem because you can't have your centre speaker in the centre of the screen, with the centre screen here it has to be either down here or up here. So your sound also travels yep. like that. Um, so, yeah, TVs are a challenge. Actually, center speakers are a little bit of my pet peeve because we see a lot of, in the forums and posts and stuff where everyone's got their center channels and then you look at them and you kind of, even professionals that have installed some, where the center channel's on the floor. And, and pointing at your feet. And it's mm. pointing at your feet or yeah. it's pointing up. But ironically, yeah. if they just lifted it under the screen, because in those rooms, a lot of them aren't using acoustically transparent screens, because I understand that they're expensive. But a lot of the time, the center could still go right hard up against the black fabric mm. of the projector. Um, and then have a slight uh, up tilt towards yeah, your listening Yeah, a position. bit of a tilt. But some, and honestly, a lot of them are like sitting, like smashing into your knees. Uh, some of them are even lower to the ground. Um, and even that, just someone who's not an enthusiast, even my wife recently saw a picture that someone posted and she goes, isn't that speaker too low to the ground? And she knows nothing about any of this. And she, she wouldn't even be able to tell the difference between a, a $5,000 speaker, uh, sorry, $5,000 receiver or a Trinov. But she's noticed that that speaker is just way too low to the ground. And the fact that this is being done by professionals or DIYs, and like Andrew said, this information is available. It's free. You don't have to do a course for speaker placements. It's here right now. It's here right now on Spare Change. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so uh, little things like that. I mean, a lot of the time, I think we probably end up 
on average one and a half meters to the middle of the speaker yeah uh, we, we try but the, there's a few different rulings out there but we are normally uh, depends on the size of the screen and ear height in the room mm. um, but we are somewhere between a third and halfway up the screen um, and it depends who you talk to there's some interesting conflicting standards at times with with that placement but we try to position mm. the speakers where the image is likely to move across the screen. Um, and so if you've got a really high screen that's closer to the floor, then your speakers might be in a slightly different location. Mm. And you know, it's funny because Shane, I think me and you touched on this, the fact that there are so many Atmos tracks now where unfortunately the studios probably haven't given the Atmos enough love. So it's barely, I mean, in your Trinov guide, you can actually see the movement um, mm -hmm. in the high channels mm. and there's barely anything coming out of those high channels. If people have got their rear surrounds off the ceiling and their Atmos, they're just they're kind of sitting on the same plane. That happens a lot, uh, and unfortunately, you're just going to get mess there as well. It's just all muddled up into essentially one signal, um, uh, you know. And the fact that now we're seeing better Atmos content, um, having that ang those angles like Andrew explained, where the audio where the channels are separated equally, you get far more. And I use this example when I explain it as a salesperson. Um, that that dome atmospheric dome we try and create mm. that if that helicopter is going around the room or that machine gun or my favorite is matrix obviously on the roof when neo does the uh, slow motion bullet um if that is balanced well uh, it's an amazing experience mm. um but i've heard that ironically recently in a cinema where the surrounds were literally off the corners i don't know if you've got cornices in the u.s but um you know, off the ceiling, and the Atmos was there, and and it just sounded like a completely different film. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not how the director intended you to watch that film. That imaging you know? is so critical, and, and um, when you do get a room right, and everything is at the right level, when your bed layer is close to ear level, and your Atmos is in the right position, um, you know, then everything starts to work incredibly well. Uh, and there's a couple of sorry, yeah, mate, there's yeah. a couple of key things here. You know, with your Atmos. If, if it's front Atmos, it's got to be in front of everybody. And if it's rear Atmos, it's got to be behind everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and unless you are excluding seats, like if you've got massive number of seats and then you just have to say, well, those seats aren't going to get looked after. Um, we actually, you know, <laughs> uh, recently I had a comment in one of our room designs that the front row of seats was too close. And I wrote back to the person saying, well, the customer asked for those to be there. They just overflow for kids when they come on the weekend. And he sort of came back and said, I don't care what the customer wants. Those seats are too close. I'm like, but he's the customer. He does, that's where the seats go. Um, so, you know, there is always compromise. And our job is to work around what works in that room and um, to deliver the best we can for the client and to get an understanding of the, from them and for them to get an understanding from us of what may be compromised. If they insist on having 12 seats in a room, we have to explain to them that you either need a bigger room and a much bigger system, or you have to understand compromised. some of these seats will be compromised. The, so, word, the word compromise comes up a lot, but I think touching on Andrew's Atmos, for great minds think alike, because we're thinking the same thing. You know, we, we see an issue where when we're doing room designs, we try and say to people, look, there's this end game with the Atmos. In your room, we can fit three rows of Atmos. Now, you can do all that right now, and if you've got the budget to do it right now, great. But if you can't, the problem is, is that if you do just the middle row, which is directly above you, you can't then just add another row in front of you. You can't just add another row behind you because that's not how the specification works. Te technically, technically, that centre row shifts. You know, yeah. so if if you've just got the two, it's about ten degrees in front. If you've got three rows, then it's, it's pretty much yeah. straight above you. So, but you know, we, we try to say people, if you don't think you're ever going to put three rows Atmos in, because then that obviously starts getting into processor territory and you need power amps and all that, then you do a front row and a back row um, of Atmos and they're angled towards you. Um, but in most instances, we see rooms, because we get called a lot to fix rooms or people know deep down and people aren't stupid. They know if something's not right in their room or they know that just by doing a bit of reading, they'll look up and go, I think that's in the wrong spot. And we'll come out and go, yeah, well, you've got overhead and then you've got Atmos over there, but there's nothing behind you. And and the Atmos, and again, this is free information online. I mean, the Atmos specifications are there. Um, so, you know, the positioning of those then creates a completely different experience again. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, we could 
we could talk about this all day, I guess. On another note, I can't actually see live comments. We've got to click on the little comment tab there uh, with the mouse because right. I can't see. Are we getting any comments, uh, any questions, Shane? You'll get a few. Let's, uh, let's go to left, uh, my left and right question once again. Let's yep. say you got a TV or a projector screen. Let's say your seats, yep. you know, your, your seats are only so wide apart. Should yep. the speakers at least be within the seating range or slightly outside of the seating range? Sorry, side again. So if your seats are so wide, about 48 inches wide, let's say, should your left and right speakers be at least outside of that range of the seats, outside of 48 inches wide, or should they just be, like you said, butted up against your, your display? Well, like Andrew, at you, just, well, like Andrew you just said, if, if you've got, a, if you've got a, a TV screen and, you know, the idea is if the TV's, you know, if your room's four meters wide, let's say, the TV's in the middle of the room and it's a 65 inch and your speakers are, you know, right on the outside, then that, that audio versus picture is going to be not really matching. So yes, and like Andrew said, most of the time the speakers on a TV do belong necessarily closer. Uh, but then again, that doesn't necessarily that, work with specification. That doesn't necessarily mm. tick the specification boxes. But I mean, if you've got a TV and you want roughly a guide on where to put them, then as Andrew said, yeah, look, obviously closer is better because then it matches the image. Um, so, you know, the, the saving grace here is if you've got a 4K TV or even an 8K TV, mm. you can sit closer because of the pixel resolution. Um, and that can be a saving grace. So people are kind of a, it's funny, people want really big projector screens, but a lot of people still are a bit strange about TV sometimes. Um, but you can sit generally a bit closer. I mean, we have, you know, there's some interesting debate at the moment. We have 210 degrees of horizontal vision. Now, um, you know, generally we're dealing with about 60 degrees with um, speakers and projectors, just throwing out some loose figures there. <coughs> um, so, you know, if you sat a bit closer to your TV, so it filled about that 60 degree arc and the speakers are left and right, then you're actually going to have a heck of a good experience. Um, you, um, but if you move those speakers out, then that's going to change. I, I'm not sure if I fully understood the question, but did that answer it or not? No, yeah, you, you mentioned it. Yep. Uh, let's talk about behind the screen center speaker placement mm. as well. I know the, at least your tweeters, right, should be at least ear level across the front, mm. as, mm. as close as that possibly to be hmm. for behind the screen center channel placement what if your screen is up a little bit high and your 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 ear level speaker obviously your center speaker is coming shooting directly at your face but the screens the actor's faces obviously you're going to be a little bit higher hmm. should that center speaker be near the center of the screen so dialogue sounds like it's coming from the actor's faces rather than down by their necks the way to manage that can be and again it depends on your seating to have the speaker higher and actually angled down a little bit. So we do that quite a lot. So our speakers behind the screen, and this is one of the challenges with some speaker formats that are just dead flat. Um, you can't angle your left and right speaker and you can't angle your center speaker down. So we would probably go a bit higher with the center speaker and pitch it down so that it's in the correct area of the image and, and it's aiming at everybody. The other question is, if you've got a riser, then you have to choose where you're aiming that tweeter. And normally we would aim it just sort of, again, depending on discussions with the client, uh, you would aim that tweeter basically between the two head heights. So, you know, you're, you're aiming so that everybody gets the best sound possible. There is a, a hidden advantage to this, um, and that is if you are putting your center speaker or your left and right speakers as well behind the screen, if your screen is a microperf screen, then and your speaker is flat, then you will sometimes get a reflection back off the screen, and that can actually pose problems. I've had issues with a room um, correction uh, where it doesn't like that because the impulse that it's receiving is actually an echo or a reflection off the screen. By being able to angle your speakers, um, mm -hmm. you then minimise that effect, so you get a two-for-one advantage you get to drive the sound from that location in the screen you get to aim it at the seats and you get to reduce that immediate reflection if you've got a microperf screen but again touching back on the design i mean ultimately if we're governed by a low ceiling um, the screen sits i don't know in the low room we, we end up with 550 600 millimeters off the floor you know to yeah we have to then factor all that in uh so is it a, it is a very good question and yes most of the time we put them in the middle 
to obviously match um, the uh, what's the director's box where all the yeah. uh, correct information is in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, in theory, yes, it goes in the middle. Would you also bump up the left and right since it's behind the screen as well, to the same plane as the center? Well, we normally match them. Normally, they're on the yeah. same plane as the center. Yeah. Okay. Um, it again. I'd love to be able to give you black and white answers on all of this, but often it comes down to where are the seats um, and how big is the screen and that sort of thing. But yes, in a broad sense, normally your left, centre, right are on the same plane. Okay. You can actually head over. We've got a video on our channel, um, which is a room design video, and it's Andrew sits in front of the screen talking about a room design and a tour of that, and that shows the angles and where things go, and we move the seat and stuff, so you guys can actually watch that and see how that works as well. Are you eyeballing it when when you're aiming, or do you have like a laser pointer that aims it for you? <laughs> assists with. I actually aiming. have a laser pointer. Yeah. Um, laser, uh, but also, you know, um, I, I use that to aim it. We try to get everything as precise as we can, mm. uh, and it depends how much time we've got on the job and that sort of thing. But I, I do use a laser pointer. Actually, it's a really cool unit with a ninety degrees, so you put it on the front, and it just mm -hmm. it's fantastic. A Andrew loves his laser. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. He loves one. his laser. I'm not allowed to touch his laser. <laughs> Do you stick it over the tweeter? And it points forward? Over the flat bot face of the speaker, providing it's got a flat face. So it's right. like a um, spirit level, but it's a metal one. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it sits on the speaker and it fires a beam out at exactly 90 degrees. And then I'll line that with, uh, actually not necessarily the tweeter, but the, you know, the acoustic sweet spot, which is generally between the tweeter and the um, mid-range. Um, mm. And then I aim that at wherever I want that to go. So. We actually had a question last episode, Shane, which yeah. I think Andrew could probably answer now. Uh, someone said, what about if your speakers are different? So it's horn loaded versus a dome um, tweeter versus, versus <coughs> blah, blah, blah. So horn loaded is something that we see quite a bit of these days. Yeah. Uh, and that changes everything again. Mm. So. Um, and that, that talks to you know our setting position, amplifier power, and, and um, to some degree, perhaps the dispersion pattern of the speaker. Um, but selecting the speakers is all part of that plan mm. design so that we drive clear, undistorted sound to the seats. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on mixing and matching brands? Awesome <laughs> front speakers, but then you're just cheaping out on some back speakers. Can, can I answer this one? Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I get asked this a lot, um, especially because I do a lot of the sales stuff inquiry-wise. Uh, we always uh, are huge ambassadors for obviously trying to keep the same tonality or, or timber matching as they like to call it. Uh, so if you are starting from scratch, there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't use, um, you know, Crick speakers all the way around or Priscilla speakers all the way around or, or Kef speakers or whatever. Uh, and that specific range has a specific matching surround sound. Uh, I always say to people, there's no point if you're going to do this right, we don't want to start compromising because uh, as much as all these audio tracks are mixed fantastically these days, the last thing you want to start doing is cheaping out and buying some uh, cheaper surrounds that you know are a different brand or a no brand or a generic brand. Um, and I think it's, a, it's very important to timber match um, speakers uh, and trying to keep everything in the same family. Um, it, but it's a really good point. In an ideal world, yeah, left, center, right, surrounds and everything would be identical. In, in, in some rooms, we world. use the same speaker. Yeah, we do, we've, and we've yeah. done that, and it's great. Um, I have but, um, you know, I, I think there's another issue here too. Sometimes your surrounds or your atmos can be quite a long distance away from you. Mm. And what people don't always understand, and I had this recently, someone had some in-ceiling speakers. They weren't very high-powered. Um, they had he had an exceptionally high ceiling and so to get to the sound pressure level the amount of power you needed to drive to the speaker was more than the speaker could bear and I said to him look you're going to have to change these speakers and he went no I'm not changing them I'm like but if you want to actually hear those speakers if we want to get that heard at the listening position you are going to destroy your speakers and um, yeah. needless to say, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And he had to go out and replace the speakers anyway. Um, and a lot, again, a lot of people don't realize the bigger the room, the more power you need to get from that speaker all the way over there to me over here in the sweet spot. And the sensitivity of that speaker versus what that amp is capable of, we work out power calculations yeah. and, and we go, this isn't gonna work. You need more power or you need a more efficient speaker. 
and, and a, a lot of the time people just buy packs and you know the the shop doesn't even know what room it's going into and you know we touched on this last time and the fact of the matter is a lot of the time we stuff we see stuff that's not properly powered mm. um and like what happened the, the thing blew up so, so so you're either likely to you know destroy something in fact this guy not only took out a speaker but one of the channels on his amp so it's an expensive process <laughs> but we did point that out um mm. the the other part of that is that even if the speaker doesn't destroy itself if it's driven at such high levels it will be distorting so you know a lot of people say i can't hear my atmos i can't hear my surrounds um you know so you have to give some thought to how far are you driving that sound what distance does it need to travel can it get there at the right sound pressure level and can it be there undistorted and all of that adds to the experience however we also understand that everybody has a budget and so you know if you're going to start with good quality speakers then you know your center speaker is is critical a lot of action happens at your center speaker so do your lcrs and look if you have to use existing speakers or whatever that's fine you know but be aware of the risks be aware of the limitations and that's the, the compromise you're going to live within that room mm -hmm. at this point in time until someday maybe you can upgrade just you know eyes wide open you know be aware of those limitations but a lot of people you know and in fact a lot of people want you know a couple of db more out of their atmos mm. wow you know 3db that's a massive increase in power for example yeah. and you know so you're driving more power to your atmos maybe than your lcrs now and you know so this all has to be considered and i think you know again you know we've got boxes we like to tick and we understand people have a budget and look at the end of the day and i see you know rory's just commented at the end of the day it is your room and as long as you're happy with the sound that you're getting that's the important part mm -hmm. and if you're running he's running clips with uh svs um atmos and if that sounds good for him that's fantastic and it, and it, and it may calibrate really well uh, you know so yes we have certain things we do like to use and certain things that boxes that we want to tick and and we really push um you know, and years to do certification and courses. And, you know, we, we uh, don't do a job if we can't tick those boxes. That's why I'm so old. Which is why he's so old. But, um, you know, um, you know, you're getting it ISF certified, getting it HAA certified, getting it THX certified, making sure it hits all the Dolby spec. And now we've got PVA, which is another certification. So that's because what we do is, you know, we like to take it quite seriously and it's a passion and it's a hobby at the same time. Um, and there are a million brands out there, um, but I, yes, I, ideally getting everything matched is is the best. Um, uh, I tend to think this is quite important with subwoofers. Um, they're a speaker, so I guess we can touch on subs as well because the last time we had a few questions on what, subs, whether you feel, use one. How do you feel about when people say that if sound isn't coming directly at you, the timbre of that speaker to the side or behind you doesn't matter that much because you can't really tell what that sounds like. Um, well, ideally, the sound should mm. be coming directly at you. So, um, and you know, so we probably need to touch on a subject here, and and this actually came up with a client this week. When we first got into surround sound, I mean, it was quadraphonic a long time ago, um, but when we first got into surround, so five channel. Um, we needed to have a, a, a greater experience and that was achieved with using dipoles and tripoles and things like that, trying to create what they called, called a diffuse surround mm. sound field around you and behind you. Um, and as we've added more and more speakers, that diffuse sound field has to some degree become less important because we can now put speakers exactly where we want the sound to come from. Mm. Um, and so we have moved away generally from dipoles and tripoles um, with higher speaker counts because we can get the sound at exactly the right location. So the only time speaker isn't driven directly at you is if you're using the speaker like that. Um, but still, you, you want good quality sound. And in fact, probably in some ways more so because that off-axis sound that we talked about is a lower quality sound and if you, that's what you're kind of spraying into the room then you are going to have uh, a lesser experience 
Uh, and, that, and that's an interesting, because uh, a lot of people say, oh, you don't really see a lot of tripoles, dipoles anymore. And I think back in the day, like Andrew just said, when we... In new installs anyway. Yeah, well, in new installs, when, you know, we now, we have a far more channel counts. Mm. You know, we have processes that can handle those. Back in the day, when something was only 5.1 or 7.1, you used dipoles and tripoles to simulate those extra speakers. Mm. Now, like, you know, we're doing rooms now that are 11 channel uh, on the base layer, six Atmos, you know, or, or 18 and four and, uh, sorry, 18 and eight and- 24 um, channels plus. Yeah, 24 channels plus. Mm. So, you know, the, the, the days of tripoles and dipoles are obviously non-existent we, we, really from that, we've yeah. moved on personally but and look people still have them and that's fantastic and you know speakers last forever really these days so you know no one's saying you have to run out and change your speakers but mm. um you know i think um but make sure if you've got dipoles and tripoles guys mm. we're not we're not trying to give you a hard time um but make sure they're set up properly you know um make sure some of them are phase phase inverted between your speakers so they have a positive and negative um uh, polarity, sorry, on either side of the the, um, the dipole, and so making sure that they're set up properly around the room. We see that a lot that they're not correct, so check your speakers, make sure that the polarity of your drivers is actually the way it's meant to be around the room, or you're actually getting phase cancellation, and, and then your surround isn't working the way it should. A good five-channel system with dipoles can sound fantastic. You know, and mm. that's what it was meant to do. And, and, I, and I think also getting back to the last episode we did, no room is too small or too big. I mean, at the end of the day, we've done small rooms, uh, which are three meters by four meters, which I can't can't remember what that is in feet. Small rooms, and people have thrown three hundred thousand dollars at that small room, and mm. then we've got ginormous rooms that people have only thrown. 50 grand at and they're going to do it in stages and there's no question to is my room too small or too big um if i want to go you know all out and do you know the small one of the small rooms we did had a 7.4.6 mm. and we made the atmos just work it technically probably should have only been a four atmos system or even just a two atmos system but we made it work because that's what the client wanted um so there's no such thing as is my room too small or too big? At the end of the day, it's how much you're prepared to kind of throw at it and compromise and, and modify and change things. But um, I think what I thought of before, we're talking about speaker placement, but the seat location, what we see a lot of um, is one of the things that, again, is probably a common sense thing, but some people maybe don't realize is we see a lot of seats hard up against the back wall. Mm. Like I'm talking hard up against the back wall. And if you want to gain instant performance at zero dollar cost shifting that you know not everyone can shift it 800 mil off the back wall three feet or three feet bring it three feet you know yeah. uh, you know just take it off a little bit if if anything um you know we're talking about speaker placement but a lot of the time that those seats that we see hard up against back walls are essentially a no-no really yeah i think there was actually a question about that earlier but here's mm -hmm. a question here um, it says, Mr. Sammy Debs, thank you for the $4.99 super chat. Super chats are always welcome, guys. My room is 14 by 10, 7.2.4 system. I sit from my 77-inch OLED 7.5 feet away. Do you think that's too much for the size of my room? Which I think would go back to your OLED being 4K and that you could sit closer mm. to it. Mm. Yeah, uh, room is 14 by, was it 10 by... 14 by 10. Yeah, 14 by 10. Hang on. Uh, well, that, again, that touches, on, yeah, that, that touches on what I just said. You know, no room is too big or too small. 5 meters by 3 meters. So yeah. 5 by 3. That's actually a nice size room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, nice. so, you know, the, this, this is, again, a deeper question. I, I wish this was actually a simpler subject, but there's so much to it. And, and like anything, the longer you do this, the longer you study it, the more you realize there is to learn. In short, there's some other factors here. So yes, you you know I don't uh, I sit. Uh, does he say how far he sits from the screen? Seven and a half feet. Seven point five feet. Uh, Seven point five feet away. What's that? Uh, two and a bit meters. Mm. Um, so have a look at the angle. I haven't worked that out in my head, but have a look at you know the angle that you're looking at to your screen of, of the seventy-seven inch. Um, you know it's a personal decision, but you could probably possibly move a little bit closer. I haven't done the maths. Um, but there's another factor here that goes to this, and this is where this circular thing comes in. You might be sitting in an area where the base in your room is atrocious. Um, so then 
everything starts to change again. If you want really great sound to go with your great OLED image, if you are sitting, for example, dead center in your room, you're not, I don't think, but if, if actually 7.5, it's nearly, you're almost dead center in the room. So the problem is you're sitting um, in the middle of a length and width mode, right? Mm -hmm. So you're mm -hmm. probably getting some fairly atrocious bass there. So what are you gonna do? Um, you can sit close to the screen, move um, forward a bit, or pull the screen and the speakers closer into the room, further into the room, which would be good. It gets your speakers away from the front wall, reduces speaker boundary interference response, reduces boundary gain. Move your seat back into about a, th a third of the distance from the back wall, bring your TV and speakers into the room, and you'll probably find everything improves dramatically. So there you go. Or... Um yeah, because it sounds like he's right dead center in that room, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so it, and if you look probably. at that, yeah, you've got you're probably sitting in a really nasty null. And and mm. and there's an interesting thing. I think I touched on this last time. You can actually put a subwoofer dead center yeah. in a room, and you you can have that thing working its butt off. And um, at certain frequencies, uh, which are, which are the nodal frequencies in the, of that room, mm. it will produce no sound whatsoever, no matter how hard it's working. So you, you, once you've got a grasp on that then, yeah, don't be sitting in the dead center of the room. Unless he's got a bunch of subs. You could have a bunch of subs. To... You can, yeah, even so but... that they're act. Yeah, you guys disconnected. Oh, wow. Are we you back? You guys got disconnected. Yeah. All right, you're back. Oh, okay. Um, so that's exactly the reason we use multiple subs because we actually work out where the room modes are yeah. and then we place the subwoofers in the room to, to manage that. Yeah. Thanks for the uh, question there, Sammy, and thank you for the super chat. Uh, we have Mr. Mel Hayes here today. Mel Hayes is part of my... This is where I give you guys my Patreon pitch. Mel Hayes is part of my Patreon Thanks, Mel Hayes, for joining us today. If you guys do want to sign up for Patreon, I have a Patreon here. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month, up to $10 a month. You can see the uh, benefits that you get here under the dollar a month. Under $5 a month, you can also get, you know, request reviews. You can get monthly digital freebies. Lately, I've been giving out some uh, Amazon gift cards because I haven't been getting any free movies lately because of COVID and all that stuff. So I've been giving away Amazon gift cards so you can buy your own movies. And... Not everyone gets a digital freebie. People sign up and say, hey, I signed up for five bucks. Where's my digital freebie? I have 118 people now. Yeah. If I gave everyone a digital freebie, <laughs> I would be poor. <laughs> okay? So, it feels like I'm sitting in an infomercial. <laughs> so, <laughs> giveaways every month <laughs> for the $5 tier. And then $10 tier, all, all the same stuff, except we can have one-on-one -on -one video chats like we're doing right now with, uh, with Enzo and Andrew. So but I, I'd like, I'd like to point out that the yeah. Patreon is a fantastic thing because you know we do this full time. Shane does this full time, and membership is just to support us. You know, you yeah. guys want more content. You guys want us to improve picture quality and have great sound and all that. And this mm -hmm. all takes time and money. Yeah. And Patreon is a big help. So guys, if you can help out Shane and support we're him, setting yeah. out Patreon as well on our end because this takes time and time is money, mm. and we can give you more freebies the more members. <laughs> The, the one thing that I get all the time, Shane, you have a Trinov. Why do you need Patreon? I wouldn't have a Trinov if I didn't have Patreon. That's exactly why. That's, and yeah, you wouldn't have anything yeah. to talk about. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Hey, if, I I didn't have the Trinov, if I didn't have yeah. a Trinov, I couldn't show you exactly what's in your movie review soundtracks. Yeah. I would yeah. be just like everybody else. No, that's right. It's a massive point of difference. So yeah. It's one of the reasons why we like your channel. Uh, but thank you for... Uh, Thanks, Mel, for being a Patreon subscriber. And his question is, do you consider 0 or 75 dB reference level too loud? That's a really interesting question. Not for me, but... Um, <laughs> I personally don't listen at that level. Um, now, that's an interesting thing because there are some misconceptions out there. Your reference level is, is how you set your 75 dB level at the seats. So that, that's accurate. What we're doing is testing that we have maximum headroom and full dynamic range. Um, it's not necessarily a recommendation that you listen with every speaker operating at 105 dB. So, um, you know, what reference level is about what you can achieve in the room um, with each speaker 
with clarity and distortion free. Um, there's, there's this kind of misunderstanding that if you actually play it at reference level, that that's how they play it in the cinemas. That's not the case. Um, so um, it's, it's the way of establishing that the room is probably set up and capable. Um, you certainly can listen at that level um, if you're comfortable with it, but I think most people find it a little bit loud. A lot of, mm. a lot of us young ones like listening at reference level. Then you'll end up deaf like me. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be a DJ when I was younger, so I can barely hear anything. But yeah, look, I mean, and yeah, that's touching, why he doesn't calibrate. That's why they <laughs> calibrate. I can't hear anything. Um, I say to a lot of clients, um, people go, oh, I'm never going to listen to that loud. And I was like, yeah, but at the same time, we need to know that the system can go to that because there are times when explosions will go loud or other parts of the movie will go loud. Range. You need that dynamic range and you need yep. to be able to know that you're doing that without causing any damage to anything as well. I will say this, um, if you absolutely find you cannot, and it's properly set up, and you cannot listen at reference level, um, and bearing in mind that not all soundtracks are equal as well, so, mm. so that's another factor. They're not all mastered the same. So they will vary from soundtrack to soundtrack, and especially if you're streaming, that's different again. There's no standard. Um, so, um, but, um, uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, the, the thing with listening at reference level is completely forgotten. I'll have to come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I always say just listen to whatever's comfortable. Leave it at that. Again, it's your room, it's your yeah. equipment, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, but yeah. we just like oh, to know that we can hit those... Um, those tick those boxes what you do notice is this um if you have a system that's generating distortion or is not well set up then reference level is painful yeah. if you have a great system with speakers that are not distorting and that everything is well balanced and properly calibrated then reference level is far more easy to listen to um so it's within reason a, a, a decent way of sort of seeing if how your system's performing if you find it's really harsh and hard to listen to there's a chance that your speakers are driving hard that they're distorting um or that you've got no acoustic treatment in your room because mm. every time you turn your level up uh, and this is another factor right there's so much to this if you turn your level up and you don't have any acoustic treatment then the decay time in your room is going to be much longer the amount of energy you've got in that room is yeah. much much higher and so it's bouncing around the room it, it's mm -hmm. If you, if you throw a ball around a room and just give it a little bit of a toss, it's going to hit the wall and drop to the floor. If you fire that thing out of a bazooka, it's going to bounce around the room for some time. Sound is exactly the same. Yeah. So if you have got an untreated room and you're trying to listen at reference level, you're going to torture yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you need to make sure that the sound is managed in that room mm -hmm. so the sound only lives for the amount of time it's meant to. Otherwise, you know, not only have you got possibly some distortion, but you've got that distortion living in that room for a very long time indeed, and that's just plain horrible. What is the max height for side surrounds? People recommend ear level, but then you have to have head occlusion. I think you touched on this mm -hmm. earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we, talk, we, we talked touched about that. Uh, yeah. I think some people have probably joined in a bit late. But yeah. yeah. Um, if you go back to the beginning of this, we'll talk about that. In theory, um, head height... Uh, my head height, not Enzo's, is is correct. Um, it's different. I'm six foot, so it's a little bit different. But yeah, um, but in theory, ear height's correct. But again, that's the problem. Head occlusion um, or the exit door effect is a problem. So that's why we sometimes have to muck around. But as we go higher, we will tilt the speakers. Um, uh, but we, I, you know, I, in all the jobs I looked at that this morning because I knew this might come up as a question we've never gone higher than essentially 1750 off the ground and if we, we, we do it kind of gets angled in anyway like Andrew just said so. we try not to go more than a, about a foot 300 mil yeah above um but again it comes down to each room design if you don't have atmos you might have a bit more flexibility because you're, yeah. you're going to have less of a conflict but mm -hmm. um yeah, side, side surround, well, surrounds generally with multiple heads is challenging. Um, Especially with all these formats. I'm seeing a lot of comments about IMAX enhanced, and you know that's another another issue as well. Another, so there are many different formats, as many different opinions. There is no standard in movie studios, the way they record. You know, Thor is very different to Avengers, and Avengers is very different to Tron. And so, you know, we're forever. Uh, and we get people all the time say to us, oh, my system doesn't sound right. You know, something happened, and Andrew always says, "Well, get your favorite disc and put that in, 
Get your reference if, disc. Yeah, get your reference disc. And if that sounds fine, it's just that track is not recorded right. Um, so or that's it's a different. Little, yeah. Or it's different. Or uh, that's a little tip, I guess. All right. Thanks for the question, Mel. And let's take one more question here. I don't have any reflection spots in my room due to couches and a carpet, but does that count as room acoustics? Don't have any reflection well, every, spots. Everyone has reflection spots. I mean... We, we work out every, you know, reflection points to where speaker, like where if you've acoustics got, are being positioned. Yeah. If you've got, uh, I, I'm maybe misunderstanding this question, but if you've got speakers, you've got reflection points. Um, so you have uh, the it's mirror point. Or yeah, it's impossible not to. So um, it'd be interesting to know a bit more about that question. If you have left, centre and right speakers, you have reflection points. You have the first... Um, primary, secondary and tertiary reflection points. So you have one for each speaker up your side wall from your front speakers. You also have reflections happening from behind the speakers. So you absolutely, you know, the only place you don't have reflections is if you've set up your five channel system in your, in, in the middle of a paddock somewhere um, and you have no walls. So I think I think he wants to know, does his couch and his carpet count as room coot? It's always going to yeah. Help, so always so help. yeah. So that's the second part. Um, absolutely, people. In in fact, if you if you are designing a building or or a large commercial cinema, um, you have to take into account the the body mass, the, the number of people in the seats, because that massively changes the the reverberation or RT sixty mm. time in the room. Um, so you know uh, that changes uh, because it's we are very absorbent uh, in terms Especially of sound me. and furniture is as well. So yes, absolutely, it makes a difference. But if that's where you're sitting and you are getting the sound coming off the walls, then that doesn't help you with those reflection points. It reduces the reverberation time, but it doesn't reduce bad quality sound in the room. But yeah, the the I think the the freebie acoustic treatment is definitely the carpet or rug, uh, the seats, uh, using, uh, we always recommend people to use DVDs or books at the back of the room for like a cheap diffuser. If you have um, to, yeah. If you have to. It's not perfect, um, but it's better than, it's nothing, better than nothing at all. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, no, definitely the, the uh, carpet and couch makes a difference, that's yeah. for sure. It, 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 the, 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 the difference or the point of difference here is what difference are we talking about? Are we talking about reverberation time off-axis off sound, yeah. reflection, decay time, these are all different things. So having furniture room reduces um, overall decay time in the room, but it doesn't necessarily improve the sound quality. All right, let's do this. Let's, do, let's announce the winner of the room design. <laughs> you can do this? I'll put it Hang on, I'll, I, I, no, I've got a hat, we'll see. We're doing around, legit here, guys. Around. You probably can't read my handwriting because I wrote this all okay. out. Okay. Uh, Michael Milby? Michael Milby? Excuse me if you pronounce it. We are Australian, so we pronounce things a bit differently. Uh, and Andrew's handwriting is like mine. Michael Milby. Let's see if we can... So what I'd suggest to do, if that is you... Um, Contact us. You're showing them my handwriting. That's not yeah, going to yeah. help. <laughs> um, if you can head over to the Home Theatre Engineering website, contact us via email. Tell us that's yourself. We'll send you a verification so you can verify that that is you. And uh, we will start the process of we'll your, get your, your, your room, room design, design done and uh, help you get the very most out of your home theatre, which yep. we hope you have one. Or, you know, a room improvement if you have an established room already. Yep. So uh, congratulations, awesome. uh, Mr. Milby. And, and a big thank you to both to Shane, but also to everybody who came across and um, posted on our channel and subscribed. We're very, very grateful to all of you. Thank you very much. We do have an apology to make that we haven't posted in so long. Shane's helping by sort of forcing us to get online. <laughs> Once we've got these rooms finished, we will post more regularly. Part of the construction here is this new YouTube studio for us. And, uh, you know, so that's going to be a priority. Yeah. And we are really keen to get as much information out to people involved in this sport or hobby or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and we will be back with the vengeance. So. And we're getting a lot. Actually, Shane, we had a question recently. If you and I could thrash out some favourite movie Atmos tracks in the near future, yeah, maybe we'll we might have time. to do a little... We'll do yeah. it next time. We'll, we'll grab some movies and people the, like to know what we like to demo and the, stuff. The so. Marvel Boys. Yeah, the Marvel guys, the everyone, everyone else. So um, something, but yeah, look, it's been great, and you know we enjoy coming on and uh, having a chat, and it does force us to create more content. Unfortunately, like Andrew said we just haven't had the time lately. So. I hear you guys are busy over there building home theaters. Yeah. 
Well, all right, guys. Well, thanks for stopping by. And again, I'm going to plug my Patreon one more time, guys. If you want to sign up for Patreon, you can sign up for as little as $12 a year. That's $1 a month or $5 a month or $10 a month. It helps out the channel a great deal. Helps me help you bring you more content. As always, guys, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to Andrew and Enzo over at Home Theater Engineering on YouTube. I'm going to place this, the audio portion on this, on uh, Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. I'm not sure if I did the last one yet, but I, I will throw that up as well. But uh, check that out as well if you just want to listen to the audio portion of this. Uh, again, thanks for watching. Thanks, subscribe. Guys. Thank you very much. It was great.